Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to Know Who Drives Return. To listen to all of our podcasts, be sure to visit podcast.boardroomalpha.com and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any. For ongoing daily analysis, check out our channel at thestreet.com slash boardroomalpha. And don't forget to sign up for our newsletter. And now back to the episode. Hello, everyone. Uh, I'm David Drapkin, and welcome back to Know Who Drives Return, the podcast brought to you by Boardroom Alpha. Today, we've got a fun conversation for you, as I'll be joined by Richard Barlow, the founder and CEO of Wejo Limited. Wejo Limited is, is a leader in connected vehicle data and is set to go public in a SPAC deal with Virtuoso Acquisition Corp. Uh, and they're gearing up for, for their shareholder vote next month. Richard, th- thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, nice to meet you. You as well. So let's start off with a bit about about your career. You know, where did you come from? What did you do? And sort of what led you to founding to founding Wejo seven years ago? Yeah, so I've I've got a broad career in um, in data marketplaces. I previously built a fintech data trading platform in the UK, hugely successful. Uh, at, at peak, the revenues were more than a hundred million dollars a year. Yeah, substantially a bit dar, substantial cash generate cash generation. Um, and um, seven years ago, I decided to 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 become non-executive of that business. That business st- still trades today uh, as a private company, and I decided to focus on my passion of yeah building marketplaces, building new companies, but focusing on automotive, which has been a uh, you know motorsport. The motor industry has always been something that I've I've, I've had a strong interest in. Right. And uh, what what lessons or did you learn you know from, from the first go around in, in helping to build a business? Um, that that you're bringing over to to the second time around in Wejo. Yeah, I mean, one of, one of the big lessons is that there's a big difference between disrupting a marketplace and, and being a market maker. Um, and in this in the world of Wejo, we are both. Mm-hmm. Um, and beyond that, we're now a, a broader software business where we're licensing technology, we're licensing software back to the motor industry, otherwise known as OEMs. So the the key thing really is is that is, is how we how we how we allocate our our budget, our operating model, and 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 make make decisions about where best to scale our business. And fundamentally, when you're when you're winning blue chip organizations, mm-hmm. it's always going to take longer than you, than you expect. It took three years for us to win our first substantial motor manufacturer, OEM. But now, seven years later, we've now got a market leading position where we're working with seventeen of the world's largest OEMs and tier one providers. Mm-hmm. We're working mm-hmm. with multiple data sources. We're processing huge volumes of data, and my learnings about how to be able to build a tech team to cope with the volume of data to to cope to cut the technology demands have all been from my previous experiences. Right, a lot of lessons to be learned from from the first experience. So let's before we get to to, to the partnerships, let, let's shift to the. Can we have the quick high-level elevator pitch, if you will, uh, overview of, of, of what Wejo does and, and, and how you're, you're trying to change the game in, in, in data collection from, from, from vehicles? Yeah, sure. So the vast majority of new vehicles sold globally, uh, whether it's cars, two-wheelers, or trucks, have embedded connectivity and have an ability to share data to a cloud. Mm-hmm. Most OEMs historically haven't had a cloud or haven't had a data ecosystem We've introduced a data ecosystem to some of the world's largest OEMs, and we're now democratizing the idea or the access to data for all OEMs. Simply put, 
incumbent EVs have, have all got a new approach to data. The more established, more established OEMs need a data ecosystem, and, and we've democratized that access to data in multiple markets. Right. So whether you're driving your car and you want to find a parking space immediately, we've built a solution to, to process and analyze billions of data points to identify that free parking space down the road. We're helping smart cities reduce congestion on roads. We're helping smart cities reduce emissions. We're helping smart cities improve safety. It all comes up from having live data from vehicles. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you mentioned EVs. Is, is this simply for, for EVs or, or traditional autos as well? So- no, we have live 11.8 million vehicles on platform. You know, so we see 7% of all vehicle movements in, in New York. It's amazing to think, you know, you can walk down a street in New York and see one in 12, one in 13 vehicles we're getting data from live. No batch overnight processing. No, you know, we're not buying third-party data assets in, which might imply access to a vehicle. We have live vehicles sending us data. So, you know, we, we you know, and, and in terms of the platforms we've built, you can filter on combustion engine, hybrid, EV. You can filter on saloons, sports, SUV. We get a vast array of, of vehicles, not just EVs. As a native New Yorker, uh, can can you fix traffic here? We're trying. <laughs> We're working with a lot of city planners. We've we've built incredible products. So, for example, we've built the the world's first intersection analysis via, via machine learning. So, the old way of doing it, and and, and at the start of this um, this session, I was talking about mm-hmm. when you build a marketplace, are you disrupting or are you market making? Well, in traffic management, we're disrupting, you know, we're, we're, we're replacing, you may have seen strips across the road with a box that counts traffic. One of those boxes typically costs, typically has a lifetime cost of $45,000. So a city planner either, either has to fund one of these boxes and then move them around as they want to count different intersections, or they have to pay for a third party to, 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 to literally be on the corner road and count traffic. These things all take time, you know. We 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 ran a survey a couple of weeks ago asking our traffic customers how long they expected to take to to get a count on an intersection, and they said typically two to four weeks. Mm-hmm. With our platform, it's in two seconds because we've machine learned every lane of every highway, every lane of every road, every street in the U.S. And we see vehicles on ninety five percent of roads every day, where we can now give real time intersection analysis. We can tell you what's going on in New York. We can tell you what's going on in Austin. We, you know, we see twelve percent of vehicles in Austin. We see seven percent of vehicles in in New York. Right, and, and this technology you've developed—that's proprietary Weijo technology that you know other players in the market don't have, right? Yeah, it's proprietary, and other players in the market have approached us and asked if they can license our technology. So we, we feel we put, we feel pretty pretty stoked by by some of the releases we're making. Where and, and we're adding two patents typically per month to our portfolios as we as we build, we protect. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so can we talk a little bit about uh, the revenue model? Um, you mentioned you licensed the data back to, to, the, OE, to the OEMs, and, and there's also a, a SaaS component as well. Yeah, so our total addressable market is $60 billion, uh, and that's that split roughly 50% on marketplace revenues and 50% on software licensing or SaaS revenues. Mm-hmm. So on the marketplace mm-hmm. revenues, which is a $30 billion opportunity, um, we are typically revenue sharing 65% of gross receivables back to the most manufacturer, the OEM. So when we share trend data to mapping companies, and you, you may have seen our press release last week where Microsoft shouts about the fact that we're, we're now a contributor, significant contributor to their mapping product. We, we receive payments from mapping providers and we rev share 65% back to the OEM. Uh, it's a win-win for all. 
as, as an end user, you, you then have a, a better mapping product, whether it's inside your favorite mobility app or, 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 or whether it's for navigation. And it's a, it's a benefit to the, to the OEM in terms of revenue stream. It's a benefit to the consumer who may all be getting, for example, subsidized Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. So that's one side of the business. And then the other side, we're licensing core technology to OEMs. You know, we're processing 450,000 data points a second. That's more than some of the biggest blue chips in the world, certainly more than any other connected vehicle data provider. And this technology is proprietary to IP. And OEMs are now licensing that technology and using it to actually process their own data. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you mentioned at the beginning, uh, you know, it took you three years to sort of sign your first ma- major partnership. Um, can you talk about the momentum that that you're currently seeing um, with maybe some of the existing partnerships and how that might be, you know, flowing through to new ones. Yeah, so in uh, we we in our Q2 earnings, we showed um, 10 million vehicles live on platform, and we were processing uh, 14 billion data points a day. Uh, a quarter later, we're showing 11.8 million vehicles live on platform, and we're processing 17 billion data points a day. Mm-hmm. Um, at the uh, when we issued our 8K, we had sub 400 billion miles of data. We now have 477 billion miles of data, and we're adding billions of miles every day to platform. So we've we've shown scale of data points coming to platform. We showed 80% growth of revenues between Q1 and Q2. We're forecasting revenues this year, which will be over 150% compared to revenues in 2020. So substantial scale on, on every metric. And as a business, we, we're acutely aware that we're, we're going from the private markets to the public markets. We'll have our 10Qs, our 10Ks. We'll be reporting on our live vehicles on platform that drive mm-hmm. our revenues. We'll be reporting on the economics per marketplace. We'll be reporting on our licenses per OEM to show that actually to let anyone be informed about how we're scaling as an organization. And now a word from our sponsor, Boardroom Alpha. Boardroom Alpha's SPAC intelligent platform tracks every SPAC vehicle from pre-IPO all the way through to their DSPAC merger. It is a one-stop shop data platform tracking each constituent across the entire SPAC lifecycle. Know the team and the sponsor behind each SPAC with full SPAC history, person and sponsor historical performance, as well as deal info. Track the market. We deliver daily aggregate discount premiums of SPACs, total issuance, trends and returns, biggest daily movers, and upcoming SPAC calendar. Get immediate and real-time access to investor materials, institutional holders, structures, redemptions, filings, and more. To learn more or register for a free trial, please visit www.boardroomalpha.com slash SPAC. So, so let's talk about that for a second. Uh, you, you have mentioned you know, 100% revenue growth year over year. Um, yeah, it's still a, a impressive, but a strong ramp that you're projecting out to 2025. So, um, you know, single digit millions up to you know 700 million, I think is what I read in the latest presentation out to 2025. What do you have to do to achieve those numbers? And as, a, as an investor, potential investor, um, how, how do I get comfortable with, with looking at those projections? So in terms of marketplace revenue, and you recall, I said before that we track unit economics. So our unit economics at the end of 2020, we're closing at 40 cents per vehicle per year. They'll close this year at over a dollar per vehicle per year. By next year, it'll be $3.55. So simply put, if if our vehicles didn't scale, Mm -hmm. then because our marketplace revenues are scaling, our revenues would still scale. Actually, we're forecasting to go from 14 million live vehicles on platform this year to go into 30 million live vehicles by next year. So 
if our unit economics stayed flat marketplace, but our, but our, but our, but our, uh, but our vehicles are still scaling, we'd still show 100% growth in revenues next year. Actually, we're showing going from a dollar to three dollars fifty-five. We're showing from 14 million vehicles to 30 million vehicles in the next 12 months. So the compounding effect of you know we we've now got a point where we've proven we can market make. We can prove we've proven we're having momentum. We showed we had 70 more buying customers in the last quarter, showing up between our 8K and our, our, our S4 submissions. Mm-hmm. We're showing scale quarter by quarter on live vehicles coming on platform and, rev- and associated revenues. And so those, your 2022, 23 revenues, um, are they locked in by any you know, contractual agreements with, with customers or it's still, um, I, I get that you're growing, just, just want to know how, how sort yeah, of sticky I mean, is that? Yeah. Um, the more, more than the vast majority of our of our clients are recurring revenue clients now, mm-hmm. and we typically have a thirty month contract with a client. So yes, we have visibility up to up to three years from now of of clients who will buy. Uh, we've listed various case studies in the back of our, our latest investor relations presentation, which shows multi million dollar contracts with substantial blue chip brands. So we have good visibility. Um, you can't say all the revenue is nailed on because if we don't scale our vehicles and there's no reason, and this is not a forward-looking statement, we have yeah. visibility of 90% scale of vehicles next year. We have visibility into 23. We haven't had any uh, any exposure to the current semiconductor shortage, so we, mm-hmm. we, we, we're not we're not restating. But obviously, there's always a risk that that, that there'll be a delay in onboarding vehicles, which could have an effect on revenues. But principally, if we're scaling vehicles. And we have a number of contracts already in place. We have 377 contracts already in place. Then that, then that, then that, then that gives us some good visibility of, of our revenue scale into 23 and beyond. Right. Um, uh, and not to be negative, but what what other obstacles you know might, might stand in the way here? Yeah, I mean, you know, look, there's 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 the usual obstacles as a data business that you know we 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 are, we we're very aware of of, of, of regulatory intervention. Uh, that's a big consideration. Uh, we've I set Weijo up to to have we have a mantra of data for good inside the organisation where we look after data. We consider the consumer, the creator of the data, the custodian of the data. So we're very much aligned with the regulators, but there's always there's always that risk to, to be considered. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's competition mm-hmm. risk. There's substantial um, substantial cloud com- companies who would like to be in our sector. Uh, we have we've we've got an incredible head start in the relationships we've built with OEMs. But the real risk is, is operational risk. We've got demands from OEMs to broaden our, our marketplace is in, in APAC, for example, or in LATAM. Inevitably, I mean, we, we are now building insurance products in Japan. Building insurance products in Japan is massively different to building insurance products in U, the US. So there's, operation, there's operational risk of scaling in new marketplaces and scaling in new territories. That's our big risk as a business. Right, right. Um, I'm going to shift back to the to the partnership and in particular um, Palantir. So Palantir, I, I saw invested in, in your pipe, um, and you've also you know put out some news about you know how, how they're a strategic partner and you're working with them. Can you talk a little bit about that relationship and sort of what what they're bringing to the table? Yeah, and and, and even yesterday we we posted a video of, of our of, of a hackathon we had with Palantir last mm. week where, where where they contributed developers, they contributed their platform. Uh, Weijo had had over had over fifty developers, and we built six products in a two day period. Um, you know, so a great example of, of a real partnership flourishing, really. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what's Palantir bring? Well, Palantir brings their their, their their platform foundry has proven mass distribution in the aerospace industry. They have six thousand partners. 
Um, they, they've built distribution now with automotive ERP. They've built distribution and insurance risk management. So what Palantir brings to us is, is a way of supercharging our distribution. You know, we're tasked by the OEM industry with near exclusivity in defined markets. Mm-hmm. So we're tasked the OEM to, to, to have broad distribution in marketplaces. So we can, we can leverage partnerships like Palantir to bring forward potentially the revenues, bring forward the marketplaces in, 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 in new, new areas. So, for example, you know, we're identifying parts damage on vehicles and we can then leverage automotive ERP to, to deliver those outcomes to a, a much broader array than we were planning to do before. So it, it's it's a win-win in that partnership. Right, right. Um, uh, yeah, I noticed you mentioned um, you're doing a video with Palantir. I've also seen that um, you, you you talk about your brand and your and your social social media awareness in, in the investor deck I read. Can you talk a little bit about uh, your strategy there, how, how you're leveraging uh, social media to, to grow the company? Because I feel like um, there's a lot of companies out there that, that aren't you know, diving into social as, as much as they maybe should. And, and, and so is that helping you, helping raise brand awareness? How do you look at that? Yeah, I mean, we, we have an aggregate of nearly 5 million social media followers or over 5, 5 million social media followers and uh, over 17 um, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter accounts, <laughs> you name it. It's deliberate. Uh, there's a massive education required with consumers. The, the, most consumers do not appreciate that the new vehicle that they buy from a dealership could well have connectivity embedded. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll, you know, the, there's a very clear opt-in now within the entertainment of the screen where you can press consent to share data. But we feel it's important that, that, that there's more education. Mm-hmm. So, we, so we've, we've deliberately built a strategy to educate consumers around, around how their cars are connected. Uh, we, ha- we have disparate accounts focused on, on, on individual OEM brands. The flip side is we're, it's, it's driving our go-to market strategy. Mm-hmm. We get over a 1,000 inbound inquiries a month, every month, and scaling from, from corporations interested in buying trend data and buying understanding about what, you know, what, 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 how they can benefit from having access to data with consent of the consumer, right. and if they would like to have personal information data with dual consent. Right, right, right. Um, I just want to talk a little bit about the competitive landscape. And so um, are there direct competitors besides, I think, Autonomo is, is the most direct competitor. What do you look like versus them? Um, and if I'm making a decision, you know, well, I know you're, you're, you're obviously talking about this the whole time, but why would I buy a share of Weijo versus versus Autonomo? Um Autonomo have restated their financials for the year to be um, circa $1.4 million, so which, they, which they're stating the majority will be delivered in Q4 this year. Mm-hmm. We delivered, more, we delivered um, 80% more than that in the first two quarters of this year. We have more vehicles on platform. We have more revenue. We have more data points. We have more robust OEM relationships in place. But to be honest, we, we don't compare. Mm-hmm. They're not competition. Our competition are the established cloud providers. That's who we focus on. Is is either building strong partnerships with key with key companies, or being aware that you know that that, that there is there is there is a demand from the OEM uh, data ecosystem to for, for a broader range of IP, which we're investing heavily, and we we see a great opportunity to be the go to platform in industry mm-hmm. to service all OEM's data requirements, way mm-hmm. beyond just being a marketplace business. Mm-hmm. Um, and what, what's the plan for for the cash that, that you're raising? So it's it's operational scale. Um, we 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 have OEMs asking us to to be to be more broadly available in APAC, to be in LATAM, to scale operations in the US, to scale operations in Europe. 
So it's about operational scale to, to deliver more marketplaces to, and, to, and to deliver more territories. And then we've got OEM demands who, who want more vehicles on platform and they'd like a broad array of software ar- ar- around, around the data we're processing for them as well. So, and, and that's what a capital is, is to, is to help enable the business to scale, but ultimately to scale revenues. Right. Um, and, and so on growth, um, is it primarily, you know, new products entering new, new geographies? Uh, is there an M&A component? I know right now um, it was traffic management and, and you, you mentioned working with, with smart cities. So A, can you, you know, talk a little bit about what the development pipeline looks like and B, um, maybe anything in the M&A world versus, you know, straight organic growth? Yeah, so uh, so it's it's richer products in existing marketplaces. So we 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 we're going deeper into markets. You know, so we're 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 servicing mapping companies. We're helping city planners. We're helping uh, EV installers know where to install install EV charging points. So we're going richer into into our existing markets, but we're also introducing new marketplaces such as end to end insurance, where we're building products like Sompo, who are a hundred ten billion dollar Japanese insurer, and we'll be we'll be launching a product in Japan for uh, all, all, all new cars for most Japanese uh, OEMs uh, are, are around that proposition. So it enables us to bring forward new products like that, which which will be revolutionary in, in, in new markets like insurance. Beyond that, M and A we is 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 in our plan. Uh, our forecasts do not depend on M and A, but we are we are we are we are considering various acquisitions at the moment, um, which will uh, which will be accretive to our business and could well bring forward. Our, uh, our our revenues and could well bring forward some some of our product launches right um and so moving on to to the deal specifically um you know the classic question you know why spac why now um versus a traditional ipo or or, or additional you know, private funding given given where you are yeah, I mean, we, we we considered various options uh, around a year ago as to what was right for WeJo shareholders, what was right for all WeJo stakeholders, and including the team at WeJo. And we we considered some private offers. We considered considered various routes to go into the public market. Um, and we um, and we we landed on this route that we uh, where, where we agreed a business combination with Virtuoso in May this year. And it's been the right thing for all our stakeholders, for our existing clients, for our new clients. And to be able to attract such incredible support, such as Microsoft, who don't invest in pipes normally, in SPACs right. normally, to get the, get the support from Palantir to recognize us as the clear leader in automotive, uh, it's been win-win all throughout. Uh, and, it's, and it's put us on a, on, a, on, a, on a broader radar with OEMs who are asking us for more and more product and more and more introductions to, to new territories. Um, how much private funding uh, did you raise previously um, and 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 what does the you know, the eight hundred million enterprise value look like as a step up in value from 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 your last round? So our last round um, was our uh, was with General Motors, and the post money was uh, two hundred and fifty million dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's been a substantial return for all for all shareholders on their investment. Um, I'm afraid I can't say more than that, but all, all the private investors have, have made have made a have made have made a very good return on their money. It's great. Um, and can you talk about um, you know the process of, of of choosing Virtuoso specifically? Um, anything unique about um, their skill set or, or history that that you think brings brings to the table? Yeah, I mean, Virtuoso are incredible operators, and, and it's it's important in, in the uh, in the SPAC world that, that that you do align yourself with operators who understand your business. Um, Sam Hendel, 
is uh, a co-founder of Data Miner, who are a, a, a huge social media uh, data company where they've just completed a private round at a four billion dollar valuation. So Sam's got great experience of, of being an operator in 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 in, the, in an adjacent sector of social media, but but with strong sort of understanding and knowledge of data. So Sam was has been great, and so he's joining our board. And then Jeff, Jeff Warshaw, who's the CEO of Virtuoso, uh, he has bought and sold over a hundred media assets in his in his lifetime, um, and he's got a great influence in the media in the media sector, which is which is a, a, a marketplace we operate in. You know, we we work in audience measurement. Um, so we saw great great synergies there as well. So the combination of strong operational support from Sam, strong mm-hmm. strong connections, or strong operational support from Jeff, it it became the um, the perfect perfect outcome for uh, for, for Weijer and its and its back appraisal. Right, right. Um, and, and and can you speak a little bit to the management team you have in place um, and, and why they're set up for 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 your growth in the near future? Yeah. So we've we've we're now a team of over two hundred and sixty people. Um, and you know, my C-suite includes executives who've been the who've been who've been the in the C-suite of um, of of huge cloud organizations, of huge organizations organizations who've gone through significant scale up. Uh, we've also got um, C-suite members and EVP members who who had similar roles in OEMs as well. Um, so we we've got the right experience for scale up. We've got the right experience in terms of um, terms of technology. We've got the right experience in terms of relations uh, and, and understand the OEM sector, or the motor industry sector as well. Right, right. Uh, and so you mentioned motorsport. Uh, I assume Formula One. So uh, who's going to win, Verstappen or, or Hamilton? I think whatever I say, I'm going to make a few people <laughs> unhappy. My my, <laughs> my view is Verstappen. Uh, and that will not make me very popular with my fellow Brits, but right, I think I right. think is going to pip it to the post. Right. I'm I'm pulling for Lewis, even though it's been seven in a row. We'll we'll, we'll see if he can pull it out. Um, I think Red Bull have got the edge. They do. Uh, the, the the last five races of the season uh, um, are, are are more compliant with Red Bull's setup than Mercedes. Well, maybe we'll get a, a more exciting finish uh, in the states in NASCAR, but I, I doubt it. Um, well, you, you you had a good uh, you had a good race in Austin last week. That was that was uh, that was some, that was some wheel-to-wheel action. That was close. There's at there's at least some action, you know, at, at the end there a little bit. Um, Richard, thank thanks for 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 taking the time today. Uh, any uh, you know final parting words uh, ahead of the vote, which I, I believe is next month? Um, you know that you think uh, investors should hear. We have over 470 billion data points. We have 20 times more, more data points than any other provider of data in the connected vehicle space. We are democratizing the access to data for all OEMs. We are working with 17 OEMs, multiple OEMs licensing our technology. We've launched marketplaces in multiple territories. We are the market leader. Awesome. Really appreciate it, Richard. Um, exciting space, a lot going on, great partnerships. Uh, projected for for massive growth, obviously here. So it will be fun. Will be fun to watch your your progress, and you know look look forward to staying in touch and talk again soon. Thank you. Thank you for your time.